This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, guys, and welcome back to The Treatment Room with your host, Tessa Zolli. I am so excited to be here today because we get to talk about one of my favorite things and a subject I would say I am an expert in now, which is virtual consultations. So recently I did a video on YouTube. If you haven't checked that out, I also have content there as well about virtual consultations, but I wanted to bring it to the pod as well because I know a lot of you might like to listen here as you are driving to work, going to school, or doing chores, whatever it may be, and I think it's so, so important just to touch on a little bit of how I got started with virtual consultations. It really was born very organically during the pandemic at the very beginning when it hit. And I had decided I was no longer comfortable going back to the spa I worked in and giving hands-on treatments. So I had left my job at the spa and I had just a couple DMs of really like acquaintances, people I already knew who had watched me on social media, who you know, knew that I love skincare. This was my passion. I love educating about it and people who were already following along with my page. But all of a sudden we had this time where people couldn't get in for treatments and all of our stress levels were basically at an all time high because our lifestyles were being totally disrupted. We didn't know what was to come in the future. And of course we're all (laughs) sitting at home, looking at our skin in magnifying mirrors and just, you know, noticing every little thing now that we had more time at home. So my business really started with one, I mean, one, one request for help with a routine. And from there, it's grown to over a hundred clients. Now it is my full-time job. This is my main stream of income. I've gotten a couple questions about, can I share how much I make? And I don't know if I'm super comfortable sharing that right now, but maybe in the future that will change. I just feel like it could be, I don't know, harmful either way. I don't want anybody comparing. I don't, I don't know how relevant it would even be to you guys. And one thing I will say is I was incredibly blessed to have the perfect framework set up for a business at home. And I do recognize I was very, very lucky with that. And I had spent years setting this framework. And I mean, when I got on YouTube, it was four years ago, I didn't have like any idea what I was doing. I had no intention, absolutely no plan to like start my own business. I never pictured myself as a business owner or a leader. I just actually really liked makeup. (laughs) I thought it could be kind of fun to share some videos on YouTube about makeup. But along the way, I discovered skin care, went to esthetician school, 
And from there, it's just grown into this incredible outlet where I can share in my passion, connect with people who share that passion and educate. So that was extremely helpful, having a built-in audience of people who were listening. And this is one of the reasons I always suggest starting a specific page for your passion. If you're thinking about it, do it. You never know what could happen. I just hit 10K on Instagram this morning, which is so exciting. I'm actually most excited. It's an even number because that just is so satisfying to me. But like I had I had no idea what I was doing. My page was so random. It was just posts about different things about my lifestyle, what I was eating, workouts I was doing, skincare I liked, my life like working in different spas. So it was really all over the place. But over time, I found my people and it became this really incredible launch pad for, you know, ideas that came later. So I do know I'm lucky to have that audience. And it's one of the reasons I do suggest just getting on social media, hopefully not even, you know, having the intention of, purely just getting followers or just trying to make money, you know, or becoming like the biggest esthetician. I think it has to be rooted in passion. And if you do want to work your work for yourself, I think passion is so key. Can't even talk because I'm so passionate. <laughs> um, I think passion is just so key for setting up a business and the the shine of newness does wear off, but it's just important to be curious about your work and care, deeply care about the people you are working on or, or working for. So those were kind of the building blocks for my business and it has evolved to over a hundred clients. This is my full-time gig and it's, it's very much a substantial business idea. I think a lot of people used to think as consultations as maybe like something you do before going into a spa or in in case you couldn't, it was kind of this side thing. But I've always been a firm believer estheticians and professionals deserve to be paid for their time and consultations were, especially if we're sharing our knowledge and expertise. And for me, the only way to do a consultation is to do a deep dive, spend at least an hour with somebody. And I feel like that's only scratching the surface, but we can uncover a lot in that one session. And I think a consultation can be incredibly powerful for most of my clients, even if I did not recommend products, the things they may learn in that session that relate to their lifestyle, their their diet, their skin history, all these things can be incredibly helpful in terms of getting them on the right track. So I I really believe in the power of consultations. And again, I believe estheticians deserve to monetize that. And the reason I want to spend more time educating about consultations is what I've said before. I think we just have to be aware and smart and think of the long-term game as providers and estheticians. We devote so much of our body, minds, and souls to this career, especially if you are in the treatment room. And I wish somebody had told me or or 
you know, kind of prepared me more for the fact that it is a very physical job. And, you know, when you first start out, you're so bright eyed and bushy tailed and just willing to do anything like literally bending over backwards for people and maybe hurting your back or overextending yourself. And you just realize with time how precious your body is. And if you've ever had injuries or health issues or even just COVID alone, I think we've realized we can be very vulnerable should these normal facts of life come up, such as just purely aging or wearing down our bodies, which is also why I'm such an advocate for taking care of our bodies as estheticians, feeding ourselves proper meals, not trying to survive on coffee, bringing well-balanced meals to work, having snacks, you can keep your energy up, taking care of yourself when you get home, taking, you know, Epsom salt baths, going to Pilates, see a chiropractor or get massages if you can afford to, because it's all part of maintenance and the body really does keep score. So when it comes to virtual consultations, I just think it's something we could consider, even if you love working in the treatment room, if you like education, if you like talking to people, if you like problem solving or talking about products, I think virtual consultations are very important and you might be surprised how helpful they can be. I know we've always said home care is about 80% of the equation and there are so many people out there who really need help with their routine. There's so much confusion out there. There's so many products. People hear so many different things. So being able to sit down with somebody for an hour is incredibly valuable and it's needed. So it can be an extension of your business or it could be it could be the whole business, um, really just depending on how you're able to leverage it and market yourself. And it may it may not be an overnight thing, and that's why I try to be upfront about saying I was fortunate to have not not a huge audience by any means. I'm still super tiny, but at least have the wheels turning, at least have that page set up. If you can, you know, bolster your Instagram by having another outlet, be it a podcast or a TikTok or a YouTube page. I think for me, because <laughs> it's it's good that I had, you know, such high hopes and so much energy around social media when I first started that I was gung-ho and I set up pretty much all of the platforms, which for me, it's always been a very slow build in terms of social media. I've never really had like super viral videos. I mean, later on TikTok, some have done well, but I feel like for the most part, my audience has grown very slowly and they've been with me through a lot of phases. And although it's been hard to be patient and wait for those seeds I planted to grow, I do see the payoff now because I feel like my audience knows me. They know my heart. They know what I'm about. They see my passion. And for me, I feel like that is more valuable than just collecting a bunch of people from viral videos, which are also great. But sometimes I notice when I have a video that does super well and I pick up some followers, they may just not be attuned to like exactly who I am. Sometimes you get some, you know, 
questionable comment. So for me, slow growth, I think, has been the best thing. And I think it's underrated. So if it's taking you a little while to grow, it's totally okay. And you may see that payoff later. It's hard to see that day by day. But as long as you're planting the seeds, I think that is just incredible. So I wanted to get into some tips for virtual consultations in case you're thinking, I'd like to add this to my business or I'd like to offer this, but I just don't quite know where to start and I don't know how to put all the pieces together. I want to help you do that. So without further ado, let's get into some of my tips for setting up your virtual consultation business or services. So step one is to stop overcomplicating it. <laughs> I feel like if you stop listening after this tip, you will be okay. If you want to do the virtual consultations, you will figure out a way. So, and if it just, just for reference, if it makes you feel any better, you might look at me now and see that I have this website in place like I have all these things, I have processes, I have systems, I have a way for my clients to book. I've got a separate email address. I've got all that stuff. But when I started, it was literally just a DM saying, hey, can you help me set up a routine? Like my skin just doesn't feel optimal. Can you help me? And it was simple as Sure, when are you available? Let's meet on FaceTime. So I just want to simplify it and let you guys know it can be as simple as imagine you're having a conversation with your best friend about their skincare concerns. You don't have to think of it as like <laughs> launching this virtual consultation business. I need to have everything perfect. I think a fast launch is underrated. And just looking back at like, a lot of the things I've done over the years, I think sometimes the best things come out of having an idea and just going for it. You can set up all of the other things later. You can set up the LLC. You can get the email address and get a fancy email sig signature or logo. You can get the website. You can get the booking site. You can get all the, you know, any equipment you might want later on. But if you're starting out really like a phone, a way to keep notes that's secure and an intake form would be nice. <laughs> I didn't have that in the beginning, but it was very, very much a casual thing. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more in a second here. But at the end of the day, you're just having a conversation and providing solutions. Okay, this leads me into my next tip, which was said by Jan Marini on one of our podcasts together. Jan is so incredible. She's been on four podcasts now. And if you really want to deep dive into the virtual consultation thing, I suggest listening to her episode, The Perfect Consultation, on this podcast, and I'll link it below. But Jan talks about providing virtual consultations and what an asset it can be for estheticians. She also dives deeper into the financial side of things and the earning potential. And for me, it really was very validating to hear like Jan Marini say that because I'm like, okay, I'm just a girl who like started this business in her living room. 
do I have a plan? Is this viable? And she very much reassured that for me. But one of the things Jan talks about in our podcast together is the idea of providing skincare solutions. And I think that's also a really smart approach to sales. So instead of thinking I'm having this consultation to sell a bunch of product, think of it as really just wanting to problem solve and deliver the client solutions. I never have an idea of like how many products I want to recommend before somebody comes to see me. If we need zero, we need zero, which doesn't really happen, but it's about providing the solutions for people. And sometimes the product list I recommend for somebody will be shorter if they have great product in place and it's the lifestyle piece that's totally like missing or that's what they need help with. But it's not so much about just selling product. You really want to think about how am I going to set up a long-term plan for success and skin health. I think that's the other thing as well when it comes to providing product and solutions. And I think something I also want to mention is that you don't have to to give everything your client will need up front. That's typically not how I work because if I haven't worked with somebody, their skin could be a little bit unpredictable and I like to lower my risk. So when I see somebody for the first time, usually Again, unless they're, they've been set up with great professional product and help in the past and, you know, maybe they need one acne active to really manage the condition. That's, that's not the norm. I would say for the most part, I see people and we need to like rehabilitate the barrier. We need to start with a core routine. And from there, we can see what else we may need to add to accelerate their program. But sometimes it's just about like a little rehab in the beginning. And I'll let them know, I want to see you again in two months or so. But I just wanted to mention that, that it's really not about just selling product, but we're thinking about the long-term plan for people. And in doing so, I think you'll have the most longevity with people. You will gain the most trust and it will just be a better way to introduce more potent ingredients with time. The next tip I have is getting an intake form set up for your business. So again, I didn't have that in the beginning, but I think it's very smart and just a way to make your practice more legitimate. So think about how valuable that intake form is when a client walks into the spa to see you. That's like your little roadmap where you can see what they've been using. Are they on any medications? Do do they have any allergies or health conditions that could be affecting their skin? What does the routine like in terms of how everything looks and works together? What are their main concerns? What are they noticing? And you can get a lot from an intake form. The other thing I'd mention is at the bottom of your intake form, you should have some section that is... Not legally, but I'd say just in terms of what the client understands, 
releases you from liability should they go in the sun after using, you know, an exfoliating product or should they misuse the products. They are saying they consent to using things as directed, and that's just a little layer of protection. And it's one of the reasons I really don't like to give advice over Instagram message or just from somebody commenting on social media. I just don't know enough to feel comfortable advising on anything. I don't know if they have any sneaky allergies or uh, really more information than, you know, what they're telling me. And I like to get that consent. So I always just let people know I'd prefer if you make an appointment on my website, that way I get the full picture, full history of what's going on, and you can give me your consent to work on you. So for that reason, love an intake form. There are so many examples out there online. I believe Glow Skincare LA has an intake form and there's a ton on Pinterest and things like that. So they're easy to find. The one thing I would suggest customizing your form a little bit based on your practice. I think every practice is a little bit unique and you probably have questions you want in your intake form that the person down the street doesn't. And I think customization really is like what makes businesses stand out. And I think people notice those things and it can be so helpful to you in terms of getting getting more inflammation information, even if it's just about supplements your client is taking certain foods, alcohol, or even drugs they could be partaking in, um, even getting more product knowledge about what they're using at home or different areas of their lifestyle. So I think you can really make the most of an intake form. And I like it because I feel like it preps me for my meetings. I like to have a good intake form have it all filled out ahead of the meeting. And that way I can prep myself and walk into our consultation knowing at least a little bit about them. And then I can ask any follow-up questions. So in that way, it can definitely save time. And if there are questions I want to go over in person, I might repeat that with them as well. But it's just great to collect that background information. and. You want to have as much information as you can, especially because we don't have the luxury of seeing this person in person. The next piece of the puzzle is collecting great quality photos. So one of the biggest questions I am asked frequently is, how do you feel like you've seen enough just looking, you know, looking at somebody on Zoom? How do you know how to treat their skin? And honestly, if I were just on Zoom or FaceTime, trying to treat somebody and look at their skin, I don't feel like I would be able to see as much as I want to see. So this is where photos are so important to any virtual consultation. And I do have some specific tips for collecting photos. And what I would recommend is being as direct and specific with your clients about the photos as possible. When I first started doing the consultations, I didn't give very much direction because I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the process. So you can get some little 
wacky pictures. But <laughs> the better guidelines you can provide, the better results and photos you will get. So a couple tips when it comes to photos is asking for three angles, front and then both sides. And then I also ask for photos, like individual photos of any concern close up that the client may want to treat. I've found that asking for these additional photos can be really helpful. So I can just see a close up area such as around the mouth. Um, if somebody's struggling with that, I want to know. So in our treatment plan, I can be specific with how we're going to treat that specific area. The next tip I have about photos is such a gem. And I actually learned this from my dermatologist, Dr. Andrea Austin, who is amazing. I look up to her so, so much. And we were chatting about virtual consultations and sharing some tips. So what I learned from her is to actually use the back camera on your phone. So the back camera is basically just the camera you would use if you picked up your phone and took a picture of whatever's in front of you. I have my kombucha in front of me. So just the normal normal way you'd take a photo. So when clients typically take photos of their skin, they're taking selfies and that is with the front camera. The front camera tends to not be as great of quality as the back camera. So what you can ask is for the client to ask a friend or somebody they live with to take their photos with the back camera. And the difference is pretty astounding. I've started doing this recently and I'm just amazed if somebody is able to ask their roommate for the photos, they are just much, much better quality. So I highly, highly recommend. And that's helped me a lot. I also ask for natural and good lighting. So I prefer for my clients to take their pictures in the daytime and they don't have to use a ring light or anything. Natural lighting has actually been the best for me, but just good lighting, maybe near a window. And I do like to ask for a plain background. That way, when you do your before and afters, which is another thing I should mention, I also like to ask for consent to use the photos on social media. You can even put that on your intake form. But I like to see if I can get a plain background just so it's not distracting. Or if I want to use the photos later on, it's not, it's um, just a little bit more professional. I definitely have pictures uh, the clients have sent me with their dogs or in the car or, you know, in their garage or their kitchen or something. And it's, it's okay. You can still see the skin, but just for your purposes, I think that helps a lot. The last thing I'll mention in terms of photos is setting up a shared album. So this is what I do with my clients. We set up a little shared album once they send me their photos and that way we can see and track their progress over time. And it's pretty incredible to go to the first picture and then, you know, see how things change. Sometimes things might even get worse before they get better, but then to see how far we come in the end, especially because day to day people don't notice a whole lot about their skin. But once they have that before and after or that first and last photo, it is pretty astounding. And that's when somebody might realize how valuable your service has been to them.
My next tip is considering the brands you want to work with. So if you guys can believe, when I first started my business, I was not working with any skincare lines on my own, which was, I will say, I'm comfortable saying, I think that was a mistake. I was working with products from big websites like Derm Store and kind of just suggesting things that I thought would be a fit for people, but I was definitely missing out on the education and training you can get from actually partnering with brands one-on-one. And I just, I didn't know better. And again, at this time, it was a very casual, casual business. I was (laughs) charging, I think like $40 or something, very minimal and working, working with people, but just not in as professional of a manner in which I do now. And I think partnering with brands is just so huge because you get to learn so much by working with brands. You have access to trainings and webinars and additional resources. You have support in case something you know, something were to go wrong or something were to just not work for somebody, you have support and you can reach out to your rep and ask, hey, like this is what the client is experiencing. Do you have any guidelines or suggestions? So I think partnering with brands is so, so key. Who you partner with, I think is very personal and you should think about how many products you want to work with in a line. What are the standards you look for in a line? Do you want it to be cruelty-free? Do you want it to be plant-based? So many different options. And I know it's tempting to just use what you see an influencer using or you know your friend using, but I do think products are the heart of your business. They're so key because that's part of the solution you are providing. So you want to make sure you choose the best possible option for you. And I think by doing more research, by trying different lines and testing different products, even, you know, maybe while you're in school, just to see and get a feel for things, you want to know that you believe in those results. It doesn't matter, you know, if if your best friend or esthetician believes in the results, you want to believe in them and you want to have experience seeing those results for yourself. So I would recommend just getting familiar with different lines and kind of scoping and searching around and trying different things before you commit to one and just kind of thinking about what are the types of ingredients and types of products I want to use to treat the conditions I commonly see. So many brands have really tapped into the fact that a lot of estheticians are doing the virtual thing and most of them, like many, many, many have drop shipping options, which is incredible. And that way you may not even have to be part of the shipping process. I know some estheticians want to be and there can be advantages in terms of shipping product yourself or what the commission structure is. So that's something to explore. But if convenience is what you're after, it can be really helpful to just send your clients a link or be able to add products to their cart for them. And that way, 
They don't have to go into any physical location. And that way you're also creating a system where you can receive reoccurring payment. So this is another way virtual consultation practices can be successful. And another reason why in your first year of business that that doesn't, you know, necessarily demonstrate the earning potential of the business because as somebody becomes a client, they will continue to purchase product from you. So imagine if somebody becomes a loyal client and even just sticks with you for one to two years. Think about how often they have to re-up on their core routine. Think about how that grows exponentially as you add more and more people to your client list. And a lot of them will be repurchasing from you without, you know, even needing to call you for services. So that's basically money you can just be earning overnight or while you are working doing something else. Taking good notes is my next piece of advice, and I probably sound like a broken record at this point, but I just think it's so crucial, especially myself. I don't have the best memory ever, so I think notes are so, so important, and that way, if a client asks me a question or say we're meeting again for a follow-up, I have good notes on any important things they have mentioned to me in the consultation. So having those good notes, I feel like allows me to make the best recommendations in the future. And even after my appointment, when I go to make a treatment plan and when I go to make recommendations, I have that information there for me to go off of. You know, it might say something like the skin type, the skin conditions, products that have worked in the past, products that didn't, any history with birth controls, or maybe dietary tweaks we might be willing to try, such as removing dairy from the diet. That helps me. So in the next meeting, I can ask, how's it been going, you know, removing the dairy? Or have you noticed anything taking peanuts out of the diet? And I might even write some notes on what I would suggest for their treatment plan long-term. So the next time I see them, I know this product has been a consideration and looking at where they are now, I can ask myself if that is still a fit for them. So this is a great place just to list anything significant or anything even memorable about the client. And there are so many different ways to take notes on your clients you could use your booking system. I know a lot of people have success with Vigaro. I haven't used it myself, but I know it's really popular. I use Aesthetic Record, and I also have friends who enjoy using that one, but there are so many different types of software that offer secure note-taking systems and that also allow a way to upload photos or even offer bookings. So that can be a very inclusive system. And from the get-go, once you're getting your business going and thinking about a way to offer booking and just kind of a hub for everything, I think it's great to find a software you like, do some research and make sure it's easy and enjoyable for you to use. And, um, you know, from there, you just have a great system where you can keep all the important notes and 
just make yourself that much more professional and prepared for all of your meetings. Okay, guys, the last tip I want to touch on is the importance of follow-up. And I have recently refined my follow-up system, I guess you could say. And this is really what what works for me. But I think the most important is just the idea of follow-up however you do it, just to make sure you're touching base with people. When you are working virtually, I think there already automatically is a little bit of a disconnect. So I think it's helpful to Keep a list of who you've been working on and when you saw them last and set up automated systems for how you're going to check in with them. And even asking your clients upon the first visit, what is your preferred method of communication? For some, it might be text. For others, it might be email. And that way you know how to contact them. That suits them best. You can even find out what hours work for them. Let's talk a little bit about how and why it's so important that you also set boundaries around follow-up. So another mistake I made when I first set up my business was I had literally no boundaries around follow-up. I was just, yeah, I was totally winging it and figuring things out on my own and really mostly working with like friends and acquaintances at the time. So when it comes to follow-up, I would suggest as early as possible, setting boundaries around when people can and should contact you. So when I first started, I didn't give any direction on that and I would get texts like all hours of the day and night, especially working with people all across the country with all of the time changes. I would get texts, you know, on weekends when I was maybe taking like one day to try to decompress and, and, you know, have that day for myself. So I would get messages all the time and nobody was to blame for that except for me because I am the person in charge and you need those boundaries to keep the business safe and secure and sustainable so you don't burn out because I don't know about you guys but when I'm like finally doing my workout on a Sunday or going out for a nice meal and you get text messages about somebody experiencing new breakouts, of course you want to help and you want to deep dive and and look at whatever might be going on. But letting your clients know ahead of time when is best to reach you. For me, it's Monday through Friday, nine to five. And I let them know I may be, you know, in consultations, but I'll get back to you as soon as you can. I also made the mistake of when I was trying to implement these new boundaries, I said, you know, if you text me on the weekend, it's okay. I just might not get back to it until Monday. I'm trying to now reform this. And the reason I'm telling you guys now is because it's much harder to backtrack and set new rules for people. It's just harder for them to remember, harder for them to get used to. And it can just kind of like disrupt the flow. And then there's confusion. People might feel bad about, you know, times they've contacted you in the past. And what's worse is I realized if somebody texted me Friday night, I would try not to look at it for my mental health and try to try to remember to 
address it on Monday, but then come Monday, I'd have all of these texts and emails to get to, and it would just be like last on the priority list, unfortunately. So now I try to be really clear about when I am more available. And that's just something I would recommend you do early on. Make it clear, say it in your meetings and say it when you follow up in an email or however you do your follow-up after the visit. The last thing when it comes to follow-up is letting your clients know when you would like to receive updates. So I think a lot of people wonder, like, should I, should I reach out? Am I bothering them? Do I need to book another appointment? Maybe I won't contact them because I I don't want to be a bother. And with the whole virtual consultation process, one thing I would say is that communication is very key. So it's just a little bit of a different structure from working in a spa. You close your doors and you probably don't, you might, but for a lot of people, maybe especially working for somebody else in the spa, you just don't hear from those clients like on your days off or on your weekends. When you set up this type of business, you do want to keep keep in touch with people and you want to have that um, relationship and you want them to feel they can come to you should something come up. And things do come up. Skin can be unpredictable. So having that healthy boundary around when people can contact you so you don't get overwhelmed, but at the same time, letting people know you are there for them. I think that is incredibly important to the business. And if you don't like, you know, communicating via text or email, you could, you know, set up some form of a number of calls people could, could use to contact you. But I do spend time on my phone and um, in communication with people. So it's just something to think about. And if, if we didn't talk at all in between follow-ups, I think the results and just the client satisfaction could be a little bit less successful. So I do think it's important. I'm also very specific about about how I suggest my clients reach out to me. So I suggest after the first week of use of products, letting me know how they're doing after that week. I also introduce things slowly, so it's not everything at once, but I let them know how to contact me after that week. And I do say if anything comes up, don't hesitate to reach out. We also patch test before, um, so we're trying to limit the risks. But I want them to know they can, they should and can come to me after that week. Then I ask for a photo update after a month so we can kind of see how is the skin responding and changing, even if it's, even if it's just like the skin looks a little more hydrated, looks a little bit cleaner less, you know, blackhead congestion, less inflammation, even though we're not expecting like the final, final product after a month, it's just good to kind of follow and see how people are doing and encourage them to continue sending their updates. Lastly, I encourage my clients to set up another meeting with me. Typically it's about two months after they get onto their routine, but it could be sooner depending on the condition for a lot of, um, 
more inflamed acne clients, we might spend the first like three weeks to a month just kind of rehabbing the skin, getting them acclimated to some better product. They will need an acne product and they, you know, can't wait two to three months, but I do want to get them on that routine first. So that can vary. One mistake I made early on was being shy about setting these parameters and even telling people, I want to see you in two months. I want to see how you're doing. And just remember, they can take it or leave it. I think I used to feel like, is that pushy? Did they even like, did they like the service? Would they want to come back? That is not something you should be like negotiating with yourself. Just let them know you want to see them because that is how how you will get them the results thereafter. It's not going to be like a one and done kind of thing. And that is how you will retain clients as well. So don't be shy about telling people to follow up, be firm, be direct. And people will really appreciate that because people want to feel like they're in this for the long haul. They want to feel like there is a plan and there's a future. They they don't want to feel like, okay, now I'm on my own. <laughs> when do I, you know, come back? Do I come back? Who can, can I come to you with questions? So eliminating that confusion is very helpful. And I will say that in the meeting and then again in a follow-up email. So it's very clear. Okay, guys, that is all I have for you for today. I hope you enjoyed these tips. If you have any follow-up questions to this podcast, please leave them on a recent Instagram post. That way they don't disappear or get lost in the shuffle and I can screenshot and save and make more content that is hopefully helpful to you guys. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram. My handle is at my SD Tessa. It's the same on TikTok. I'm also on YouTube at Tess Zolly. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast if it was helpful. Really means a lot to me to see those little five stars is the best way to support this podcast and help it grow and help it reach new Estes. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you and I will talk to you next week.